Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. What's up, rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. And I would do anything for love. But you can't do that. I have no idea where that came from. Okay, well, yeah, let's just go ahead and get into the show. All right. Hello and welcome once again to the Rewatch Recap. I'm Dustin and with me is Orlean. Hello, A. Hello. Hello. Oh, <laughs> I dropped my pen. So yeah, um, we just had a fun little pre-show discussion. We laughed a lot. It was fun. It really was fun. I, I, I feel really good. I feel uplifted. I got the, <laughs> the good uh, serotonin and or that would be throwing... You know, I get really confused between serotonin and dopamine and endorphins and like, you know what? I think it is a mix of endorphins and dopamine, not Mm, serotonin. Okay, sure. I will think that's what it was. (laughs) We are not scientists, uh, but hey, if you're a scientist and if you know somebody or you know somebody who's a scientist, ask them to uh, explain it to us. Reach out to us. We'd like to hear from you on any platform that you're listening on or just go ahead and go to meet our socials, you know. Everything's in the show notes. You can even call the hotline, leave a voicemail, 901-602-3061. We want to hear from you. Teach us and... chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to know what we were talking about, that may have, they might give you release of dopamine to listen to it. Uh, you can join our Patreon and it's $3 a month. The Rewatch Recap. Woohoo. There you go. I, I kind of worked that in somehow. I don't know how I did that. Yeah, I almost want to do a British like, Go, go get it. Go get it, everyone. I can't go do it. get it, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, this week I am recapping episode 11 entitled Remedial Battle Magic. Dun-dun. Yeah. Dun-dun. Something tells me they are definitely going to need advanced battle magic coming up They soon. haven't even learned basic battle magic. I know. They're on remedial, which is basic, <laughs> apparently. And yeah, this is, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. Let's head back to break bills, everybody. Previously on The Magicians, Penny found the Netherlands and met a helpful librarian of the order in its underbelly. Alice took Quentin to meet her estranged parents so they could meet another traveler to help them cook up a sex magic spell in order to guide Penny back to Earth's dimension. That's just, wow. Why didn't they just go to the Dean? I know. 
I don't know. We don't know where Dean Fogg is right now. <laughs> Elliot is self-medicating like crazy. Margot is, was well, she was unknowingly bewitched into having a double, a.k.a. a, a golem, Margolem. Julia and Katie begrudgingly started working together in, with, on spells in Julia's apartment, while Richard's strange cult of hedge witches worked <laughs> privately in another room on a secret project, which we find out is about a summoning a god to help the various ailments of each witch, though it still sounds sketchy as hell to me. Cult. It's a cult. Mm-hmm. Now we're at the physical cottage. Penny is back on Earth. But all Margo wants to hear about is how he teleported back while Alice and Quentin were banging out the beacon spell. Alice is resentful that Margo brought it up. <laughs> Why'd they tell everybody? I Dumb know. shits. I mean, well, you know Penny probably did, if anything. So Quentin is focused on reading the unpublished fillery book, it seems, that mentions a special weapon to kill the beast. And I'm like, laser focus on fillery. Just, you know. Mm-hmm. Elliot is not focused at all. It seems he's still recovering from yet another, like, a drug bender. And Margot has to smack him to wake him up. Meanwhile, Quentin continues that pedophile extraordinaire Christopher Plover had discovered a way to physically change so that he could conjure magic to get to Fillory. Like that extra finger thing we keep seeing. Ew. Yeah. I don't know about that. That would, I mean, could you imagine if somebody, I mean, I know some people will have those and that's, you know, that's their life. They, they can choose to get it lopped off if they wanted to. But like somebody like this and he's like, hey, let me shake your hand. And you're like, what the hell is with the six fingers, man? Yeah. But if I were a magician and all your power is in your hands and you're like, I have 12 fingers to your 10. Yeah, I would do it. <laughs> you would get the six fingers, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, I was more... just shaking somebody's hand. That's what I was no, saying. No, like magical ability. Like, fuck everybody else being weirded out. I have more power than them. Yeah, that's true. It's just, <laughs> well. Mm -mm. Anyway, so he continues that Martin Chatwin had received a knife called the Leo. It was supposedly powerful enough to tear through the fabric of magic itself. So, yeah, it's basically powerful enough to kill a god and therefore enough to kill the beast. Lots of talk about gods going around, huh? Yeah, we got some god talk. Why are we trying uh, to mess with gods? What's what's up? I know. Get away from them gods. They, they you don't haven't even spent a, a year in magic grad school. I know. And we're contacting gods. Yeah. Apparently, the same knife maker made the Virgo blade that made the rose bush start to grow inside a penny. And Penny's like, I fucking love that guy. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. It is. It's neat. And uh, so Quentin continues that Martin Chatwin went to the knife maker to ask for another knife to kill a god. And the knife maker said, yeah, I can do that. But that's all the info on it. On it. Hmm. So Penny deduces that, of course, Martin didn't kill the beast because he's still around. However, good news Quentin reads that Martin failed to recover the blade, and it could be hidden somewhere for them to find. And Penny gives bad news. The blade is hidden in Fillory. Of fucking course it is. Of course it is. I mean, we gotta get our characters to Fillory. We've known it's existed Thank for like you. three episodes. Oh my god. Can we just get there already? I'm getting really fucking impatient. How do they go to bed every <laughs> night just knowing Fillory exists? I like, know. I would not. I would be like, why are we not there? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I know. 
so Elliot's all ergo fuck that and I'm like agreed Elliot no you know uh, I'm not doing that going yeah I we explain here it says I love my girl Margo but she gets monumentally stupid and like hey why don't we just like give the button over to beast to the beast <laughs> and Elliot's like yeah yeah we can do that we can prove ourselves and not being a threat what no I know and I'm like you know it's idea. it's weird but it's good that Penny and Quentin are on the same page here they're like no handing that key over to the multiverse you know giving it to the beast is a bad idea yeah he'll just eat their faces but i want to ask is this really i guess there's like various versions of a multiverse because when i think of multiverse i think of like our world but just something's different about it you know what i mean like well, something... but you mean there are like a thousand of those what or you're you saying there's only one like i wouldn't imagine a multiverse is two you know what I mean? Like a multiverse would be countless Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like yeah, multiple versions. Like, you know, like they did in the Multiverse of Madness and Doctor Strange. And there's, I, there's, I'm not, I haven't seen that, so. Uh, there's, well, there you see like there's different versions, like different things are going on. And, and uh, you know, they do it like, even they even do it in Family Guy. Like there's one where there's like everything looks like a damn uh, melting clock painting thing, wherever the hell it is. And, um, you know, there's another where they're humans, like live action. Um and you know there's several different ones where there's just different versions of them and but uh, well but, but we know that that's what's here i know but like i mean the but, characters don't know yet but right all right but i'm talking about like so fillery is another land you know or another universe i don't think it's part of a multiverse Does that make sense it's almost like it's a different planet but it's not it's just its own little pocket universe I don't know. I, feel, that it I guess is. it is a multiverse. It's just a different type of multiverse. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no way that Marvel gets to divine multiverse. <laughs> so, I mean, I know. But I'm saying, like, typically yeah. when you think of that, that's like what I think of is that just different versions of the same thing. Or even Sliders. Sliders was like that. Sliders is about a multiverse. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't totally pick up on the differences yet, but let's see more about Fillery. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get back to that later. So Penny's worried about being targeted and Margo says that he can jump to anywhere, but they're like sitting ducks and Alice pipes up and she kind of agrees with Elliot and Margo that they should strike a deal. And I'm like, what the fuck, Alice? That is yeah, a horrible is, idea. This is some undergrad dumb decision making. I know. That's why we need the prequel show. Anyway, um, on campus somewhere else later, walking around, Alice tries to convince Quentin on her idea and she's like he's like I'm just you know I don't know and she's like you're just upset you're not going to get to go to Fillory Whoa. and he's like what he goes that would be stupid why would I want to go yeah the child molesting demon who incidentally wrote my favorite books is there waiting to kill us literally but, like, <laughs> but at the same time like that's true sure but you know he's disappointed why wouldn't he be but this doesn't mean he can't ever go to Fillory like I, I know Alice is not being very uh, open minded here no, she's not. And, you know, also we learned that last week while Penny was in the Netherlands for about an hour, he was gone for Earth for a week, which is like I was talking about the Narnia backwardsness. But so, wait, in the last episode, they said six weeks. Oh, maybe I said, OK, I wrote it down wrong. Oops. Oh, OK. Sorry. But anyway, so he says they're late for PA, which I don't even know what that is. Do you know what that is? No. Physical. Arts. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. 
Um, so they go into the classroom and when they arrive, they find a bunch of dead students. It looks like their throats are mostly been slit and whatnot. There's bloody smiley face on the chalkboard indicating that this was the work of the beast. And then we see Margot's crying over Elliot's dead body as she tells them, we should have listened to you, Q. And she starts to cough up blood. And I'm like, oh, I, I really Jesus did not remember. Christ. I did not remember any of this. I was like, what I the hell's going yeah. on? And they hear someone whistling nearby, presumably the beast. And both like Quentin and Alice like wave their hands and close and lock the door. Then they run like to this little like room with a lab table in it and they like slide down and you know hide and the beast like just blows the door off the hinges whistling the farmer in the dale <laughs> farmer in the dale the but like very dale. menacingly yeah because he's doing that little skip walk again yeah like he's just happy and whatever and he says you think you're hiding don't you and i'm like ah! no no all we see is like the beast silhouette and moths everywhere. So he like waves his hands and Alice starts to cough up blood all of a sudden. Then he snaps her neck. I'm like, damn, I really did not remember any of this. Mm-hmm. And then he walks over to the little room that Quentin and Alice are in and says, sleep tight, Quentin Coldwater. And then like makes Quentin choke and he passes out. And then this like coin appears. With, it looks like a rune carved into it. It's kind of glowing. And it falls and it starts to spin and starts to settle. And that's it. And all of a sudden we get the magician's opening title. I want to change it every time. Nice. Yeah. So we come back and the coin is still spinning. And as it finally settles on the ground flat, boom, cottage house. The gang is in a circle with candles lit around them, and they are all gasping for air. <laughs> it was a simulation spell. Damn, that's intense. I know. And I'm like, no, thank you. You and should do that with a professor, maybe. Yeah, you might, you think. But, I mean. They I, never I, ask for help. I know. Hey, can you guide us through this? But you know what? They'd all say, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We, we got to do it. Sorry. That's not true. To. Remember, the dean knows all about the beast. That's true. Like That's they, why he's he running would, around. He's just leaving them to their devices to hopefully they can figure it out. Or do something. they look for him? I don't know. I haven't heard of them. Like we haven't seen hide nor hair of him. Yeah, in a long time. But anyway, so yeah, they're like coughing up blood and freaking out. And Elliot says, "There's no way in hell they're doing that again." And Alice says, "She doesn't like dying." And I'm like, "No shit, really." And Elliot turns to Margot and is like, "You are Margot. You are fabulous. You are under the influence of a probability spell." In which Margot says, I am fabulous, aren't I? I'm like, dear God. <laughs> now is not the time, kids. I would love to run probability spells, though. I would have isolated everyone in my life with them. You think? A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting to do, though. I would I would like to see that, though. Mm-hmm. For anything. Any kind of, like, job interviews. Yeah. Probability spell. Let's see how many mm-hmm. times I can get this right. I need this damn job. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. Anyway, so Penny says the beast ripped his head off in the Netherlands. So he has so much for negotiating my freedom. And Quentin says, I hate to say I told you so, but no, no, I don't actually. I don't hate that. Why are these cowards trying to negotiate? Stop it. I know. You know, in this instance, I think it's okay to gloat because, I mean, that's about you getting killed. I'm like, you're going to get killed. It's telling you it's going to happen 
is rarely right and he should take the win take the win and tell them hey you didn't listen to me oh good call um so alex points out that they have only one coin left and elliot says they aren't learning anything other than that the beast will arrive next week and quinta says well there was that one time they didn't all die when they were in fillery mm. and alice agrees but margo says that's because he you're only agreeing with him because he blows you. And I'm like, come on. Can we? Come on. Yeah, like, let's keep the conversation moving. Did Alice gain a dick? I don't think so. So come on. Anyway. Yeah, it's weird. So um, Quentin says one out of eight tries that they didn't all die. So they may not have a choice. But Penny stands up and says, no, I'm choosing to get the fuck away from all of you. <laughs> He's like, I ain't dying, damn it. I got I got killed before. No. He's like the most likely to die in every scenario. I pretty much, yeah. So he storms out and he's walking alone on campus when he's suddenly inundated with the voice of the beast in his head that makes him stop short. He goes, hello, old friend. It's been a while. Do oh. say you've missed me a little. To which Penny replies, fuck you. Solid response. Yeah. And Penny then, and then the beast says that the Penny will deliver himself over either now or when he's gone mad because the beast is going to make it very loud. Oh. And at this point, we start to hear this like ear, like, you know, that ringing in your ears you get sometimes. It gets like really mm-hmm. overpowering on him and it starts to get louder and louder on him. We cut over to Julia's apartment and Richard is talking to the group who is apparently still there. About how we used to petition gods all the time. I'm so help. scared. I'm so scared. I know, because you're like, I don't trust this guy, man. I just I don't. don't. And you're like, you're getting me into some shit. And yeah. we already know what's coming. And even then, you're like, I don't want to do this. I'm so scared. I know. I hate this part. But it, uh, I was I was, I was, was kind of hoping it happened in this episode. I thought it the happened stuff that we learn. in the next season. Does it? I don't remember, and that's why I'm scared. Okay. It's just going to come upon us, and we'll be like, oh, fuck. Damn it. Yeah. Just be prepared. Be prepared to not be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Richard says about how they used to petition gods all the time for help, but since then, they've just up and disappeared, and Julia starts looking at all the pictures he's hung on the walls. Like, he... Seriously, like, redecorate it. He took over her apartment and just, like, put pictures up all over her damn walls of gods. I don't like him. He has the gall, man, right? Ugh. He thinks they can contact them again, and Julia's like, how? And he Why? Says that, Why? And Remember all the stories about gods? <laughs> They're never that great. Right? <laughs> There's always a downside. He says that humans aren't the, the gods' only children, and Katie points out, like, other magical creatures. And Julia's like, like vampires and unicorns who the fuck knows and you know what it's a legit question but the fact that everybody laughs at her i'm like yeah there could be vampires and but i know but i'm like but at the same time though you jump straight to vampires and unicorns i would have gone to like gnomes or fairies you would not go to gnomes first stop it gnomes or or goblins or something (laughs) like that well, I think you're magical creatures. I don't. I don't know. I don't think of. A, I think of a unicorn as like an animal that turned magical and drew the horn. You know what I mean? Like that's how I think oh, of it. Okay. In my that's my own little personal backstory for unicorns. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's as valid as any other. But anyway, so Richard says unicorns are a myth, but he doesn't mention vampires. So I'm like, so 
could the Salvators be real in this universe? There's definitely they... a planet of vampires. Oh, a planet of vampires. Like Fillory. Vampire land. Yeah, in Fillory. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so he says that they are even beings in the city that could help them. Most of which can just basic, like, they're eat and kill types. I'm like, what? What? But they can find someone high enough up on this food chain, they can get somebody to help them contact a god, basically. And Wait, Katie, what? <laughs> I said they can find somebody who's high enough up on the food chain that maybe they can, it's some, some magical person or creature up high enough on the food chain to help them contact a god. All right. Sounds like a bad idea. He's very adamant that they can do this. And Katie asks, how long have they been attempting this? And he's like, a while. I'm like, no shit. I can tell by your desperation. This is not a good sign of your intentions. <laughs> so he asks some someone in the group named Gunder to show them a map. And that has this these X's on it. Representing magical creatures that they have been trying to contact. They've already contacted for help. But they didn't get anywhere. And Richard looks to Julia and says that he thinks they have an ace up their sleeve now. And I'm like, so basically he's never really wanted to help her, just use her. I don't think the he wants time. to help anybody. I think he's using everybody because he has his own core sad story and everybody else, he's like, you can help me with my sad story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He reveals that the prayer spell that he gave Julia in the mental hospital was a test. He says no one he knows has been able to get their prayer answered. And he's like, she's confused as to why it worked for her all of a sudden. Like, why why me of all people? And I'm guessing that the gods or whatever actually like her tenacity. Mm -hmm. That's why I like to see it. Maybe they like sure. her. And Richard calls her God-touched. Oh, God. And says that she should be able to get them results. <laughs> no. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Back at the cottage house, Alice, Quentin, and Margo sit around the table talking about how they are pretty much fucked unless they come up with some serious battle magic. And Margo says, that stuff's illegal. But then turns around and says, I'm fucking with you. I'm in. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's when Elliot walks in the room. He goes like, I'm in too. I heard the word illegal. But Go to a professor. It's Why do these four students think that like they are against the beast no one taught them to ask for help no apparently i don't know Ugh. elliot then hands alice a note saying that she got a call and then we cut over to uh, one of the outside pay phones and i had before i go further why are okay so every time i see them calling home or something it's always on a pay phone on campus I can understand why they would have mobile phones, maybe for like GPS tracking, and mm -hmm. what, since they're trying to conceal where Big Brazil is and whatnot. But like, why can't they have like phones in the dorms or the cottage house or, you know what I mean? Why isn't there anything in the buildings? Well, because remember, all of their families and friends get a cover story. And so if you can constantly contact, like you're probably going to reveal stuff or you're gonna like say things that don't make sense with the cover story. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That that's a good logic. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so that way they're, it's at li least likely they're going to be hanging around the payphone all the damn time. Outside. Yeah. That too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not something you want to do. So I guess you gotta go there. I just thought that was weird. I was like, why, why? I don't understand. Um, it's like the army. You got to get in the right mindset. Yeah, that's true too. Get away from 
all that crap, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it appears that the message was from Alice's mom and she's calling and um, and she's trying to get her mom to calm down. And she got some bad news and she tells her mom she's sorry. And so when she hangs up, she tells Quentin that Joe, that other traveler guy with the, you know, Swiss Army knife penis, he killed himself. Oh, what? Yeah. And she walks off saying that she needs to talk to Penny. I'm like, uh-oh. What? What yeah. happened? So somewhere else on campus, Alice has tracked down Penny, explaining how Joe was a traveler, you know, and he heard a ton of voices that drove him crazy enough to kill himself. And Penny, who is starting to hear more and more voices, which we hear in kind of whispers every time it cuts over to him. Mm-hmm. He hears, and says, you know, he knows what happened with Joe. It was the beast. And that's how it, he's got it under control. I'm like, okay, okay, mm. Penny, you tough guy. You, you got a handle on all of this. Yep. Yeah. I mean, what happened to professor Anne? go confide in her. Find them, somebody, please. Alice is concerned and says, like, the beast is obviously targeting them, which makes Penny, you know, he snaps at her because he's she's not saying anything he doesn't already know, right? Yeah, he's just, like, getting driven crazy. Yeah, but he quickly, you know what he does? He quickly apologizes and, like, makes an exit. Like, sorry, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. And then we're at a random trailer park, which... I want to say it's more of an RV park because mm-hmm. they're mostly like RVs. But I mean, they're trailers, but they're not like a mobile home trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. So they're there and Penny bangs on the door and it says mentor Stanley, the other traveler guy, who's like taking off all of his jewelry and like a shit ton of like rings and necklaces. I'm like, that's kind of like Penny, though. Penny always wears stuff. Mm-hmm. So is it like is that like a traveler's thing? I wonder. Like they had they just keep I guess picking up stuff and putting on. Maybe they're just similar people. Yeah, I don't know. Or they just kind of give them a connection of like a quirk that travelers often have. You know. Anyway, so Penny says, "So you hear him too?" And Stanley says, "The Beast knows everything about him. His son's address and where's goddaughter looks like, and etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. Like, damn, Ooh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. And Penny states that. The Beast just wants all the doorways to the other worlds under his control, which Stanley's like, well, no shit. And then he says this. He goes, like, I want to travel to a blue state, never mind other worlds. I'm like, okay, we don't need to get political in this, sir. Like, um, Also, yeah, it's also weird to say that to someone who's not white. I know. Like, don't you understand? Anyway. But so, also, I, I just have to say, like, it's really frustrating that we get scenes like this where, like, clearly this is an entire magical world problem. And yet these four assholes are like, we're going to do this ourselves. <laughs> we will handle all of it. <laughs> right. This guy's going to try to take over our world. But you know what? We got it, guys. Yes. You don't need to know. So um, Penny asks what they should do and stanley says that he has a plan that the beast can't stop him and penny's like okay well what is it he goes just watch and then uh he removes like he goes i'm gonna remove all your leverage all of his leverage and he can't do a damn thing to me and then he just pulls out a sawed off shotgun and shoots himself through his mouth the blood splattering the wall behind him and it's really screwed up and that i mean the fact that the beast can have that much power to influence that many people to do the same thing, like within the same time span. 
Well, Ugh. I mean, he doesn't even have to influence them to do that. He just has to drive them crazy enough every second of every day that it's unbearable. Right. I mean, that, well, that's what I mean. The influence. He's just kind of mm. he he gets some, you know, does just the right thing to get it done, you know. And so, yeah, Penny's shocked, of course. Of course. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Yeah, but like, don't be like this guy. Get help. Go talk to people. So outside the cottage house, after a quick commercial break, we find Alice and Q scouring the pages of some spellbook that Elliot tripped and fell and found in a locked drawer in Sunderland's office. Oh, Elliot, you scamp. Alice reads Japanese saying, Magic Karu Miss Saidu. I guess how that's what I phonetically spelled it out <laughs> to make sure I said it right. Magic Karu Miss Saidu. Which Quentin interprets as magic missile. He says, that's straight up Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, ugh, come on. Yeah. He puts a wine bottle on the table that they're at and asks everyone to move back as he attempts to the spell from the book. He's like, all right, maybe my little tut here. And, and it doesn't work. So Alice hands him the book and says, your popper 43 is off. I'm like, what the hell is a popper 43? Do you know? Yeah, it's a reference to like a spell book. Popper is one of the books they reference all the time. There's a couple oh, okay. others. I was like, I never, I mean, I, I guess I didn't pick up on that. I was like, your popper. They never are off. like, hey, let me show you this book. It's just something that starts getting mentioned. And you're like, oh, I guess you learned this and didn't tell us. Yeah, thanks. We're just supposed to know. I mean, whatever. She attempts the spell too. Like she's like, oh, your popper 43 is off. Let me do it. And you know, like I'm so better. You know, that's how she kind of, she kind of has this confidence about her. And then it's like, it doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> uh, but yeah, nothing happens. So they go inside and Margaret suggests that they, they just get guns. <laughs> Let's just get guns. Fair, I guess. But Quentin wants to squash that noise because failure is a pristine, non-industrialized society. And Elliot uh, says, I mean, as far as you know, I mean, based yeah. on some children's books, he says, yeah, Elliot goes, yeah, very pristine. It's been taken over by kitty diddling mutant. It, yeah. Also, it reminds me of all those uh, like TikToks now where it's like if the American student came to Hogwarts and it's just like every pivotal scene and it's like the American kids shooting whatever <laughs> character. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I, I see what they're saying. I mean, hey. It's not entirely wrong. Um, so Quentin says, that's not Fillory's fault that was, you know, that the beast showed up there. I'm like, that's true. Marco says they, they just go native, like, and just start, you know, we'll just, <laughs> she sarcastically asks how good Q is with a broadsword on a scale from one to 10. <laughs> Alice says the spell should have worked. They've, you know, cause she's just perfect. <laughs> It should have worked. They've all done battle magic. The most recent being Elliot, who had to kill the beast possessed Mike, which he says came shockingly easy. And I was like, because magic comes from pain. Well, that's what they believe. We don't know but, if I mean, that's true. That's what we're, you know, in a, I would say we're told that as an audience. for So that's what we should believe until they tell us otherwise, you know. Oh, I totally disagree because the characters who have said it are deeply fucked up and in pain. Yeah, you can't take what they say as like reality. That's what they believe, but they're also 
what, 24? 24, 25. Yeah. yeah like, mid -20s. I, it makes sense they think that, but I'm just not convinced yet. Well, we'll see. So Q says he did it once as well, and it just kind of came, quote, puking out, which makes him realize that they need to talk to somebody. So it's coming from their anger at this, you know, something about their, you know, it came out when they needed it to, when they were clear headed with anger or something. I don't know. That makes sense. You get that clarity at sometimes in a moment. And it's like, Ooh, and you just know what you got to do. Yeah. But like, then later I'm like, was that clarity or is this clarity? Yeah. I don't know. Elsewhere. Penny is making something. I guess it's like a potion. And he hears the beast tell him tonight or I kill the girl in the dungeon. You asshole. And Quentin and Alice come in and instinctively tells them, no, 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 no. But Quentin's like, I need your help for locating Katie. And he laughs at them, but Alice like pleads like it's important, please. So he gives in. But when he tries a quote mirror spell, he's holding a handhold mirror. It's not working because Katie's a good magician who doesn't want to be found. And so Alice says, I think it's because you don't really want to find her. Ooh, getting all called out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what? <laughs> Quentin notices that the reflection in the hand mirror is changing. It's actually working now. And Penny holds it up and he moves to scan the room. Like, so it's like he's looking behind him, but scanning and it's like a different room behind him. It's kind of neat looking mm -hmm. in a way. And he sees Katie, but he hands the mirror over to Quentin and says, you're welcome, before walking away. And we see it's in Julia's apartment. Katie's answering the door. And we see Quentin, Alice, and Elliot, and Margot standing there. And Katie's like, Julia's not here. But they're like, we need to see you. Meanwhile, back at Break Bills, Penny is starting to get inundated with screams from that girl in the dungeon in the Falorian prison, pleading for him to give the beast what he wants. And Penny turns up the volume on some rock music and starts like drinking heavily, obviously in an effort to distract his brain from the voices. Right. Uh, that's kind of, it seems like, would it do anything at all? Would like, I mean, it numbs your central nervous system. So things being overloaded be as like, yeah, I think. Yeah. But it would still be like even worse. I don't know. I mean, it would still get... be there. Yeah. Ugh. But yep. what else are you going to do? I know. I mean, back at Julia's, the gang just told Katie what's going on and what they need from her. And she's like, that's an insanely stupid idea. And she's like, you don't just go fight someone stronger on his turf. And that's kind of the point. I was like, yeah, it's kind of why you would be kind of, you know, if you're going in for a battle, you don't go to the foreign place. <laughs> yeah, this is all they're making the worst, dumbest plans. You know, I, I totally get it. But maybe there's safety in numbers, you know, and with all of them going and they were they, in classrooms of numbers the previous times and they got annihilated. That's true. Yeah. But they actually didn't learn any battle magic before they did those scenario things, which I think is stupid. Well, Katie did. I know Katie has, but I'm saying like when they were doing their like simulations, they didn't, hadn't done the battle magic stuff yet. They try to do all of it without it. Yeah, like, I just I think to your point, like they're they're putting themselves at a disadvantage, and sure they got this skill, but they're still at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, yeah. She's like, uh, 
look, um, I'm just, uh, we have a plan for the beast, you know, just uh, some battle magic that so we can uh, make it to him with Elliot clarifying that they would just don't want to be mugged in the Netherlands. Right. So they mm-hmm. really kind of want the battle magic for the Netherlands, I guess. That's what they're saying. I mean, they need it for their lives, clearly. Yeah. And Katie's like, I'm sorry, I cannot teach it to you. And most people can't even do battle magic without like ran instead of random spurts. And he's like, she says, like baby trapped under a car type shit. Why wouldn't they know this? Why are they messing with battle magic if they haven't even learned about it in school? Like, this exactly. is so frustrating. That's, I mean, that's they need more classes. Yeah. So Elliot explains his ability to save himself and then. And Dean Fogg from like the possessed Mike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what it explains about him. So oh, Margo's- so it's not like Elliot learned battle magic, but it's like in that moment he could do it. Yeah, he needed to. Okay. To stop somebody and save Dean Fogg from being killed. Mm-hmm. And Margot says that Katie can do it on cue. And Katie's like, well, yeah, because I studied it for years. And Elliot asks for the Cliff's notes. No. Which. Stop shortcutting the shit. Learn something. No. And kids, just in case you don't know, Cliff's Notes was a thing in the 80s and the 90s where classic literature was summarized into these easy to read little yellow and black striped booklets. Honestly, I think it really contributed to fewer people reading and I hate it. That's true. But I mean, if you didn't like the book and you just couldn't read it like I could, <laughs> I just couldn't get I just could not read the book. I was like, oh, my gosh, it helped a lot. Um, but you could read the other book of cliff notes <laughs> yeah because it was shorter and it was to the point you know it was just the way it was written i guess it was mainly it was like writing style it was hard to read certain writing styles mm, and i just yeah. couldn't do it um so yeah but some you know a bunch of teachers got wise and started figuring out that about you know the questions and the things that are brought up in cliff well, yeah, notes you're so not would, learning no <laughs> it's all about like trying to you know pay attention and figure out deeper meanings and stuff you know yeah but anyway so katie's cliff's notes meditate every day for a decade and also spells only work if you channel them 100 clean Ooh, mm. burn 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 also on the meditation yeah none of these people have mental control at all no so margo's like great we're stuck with our dicks in our hands yep she loves making like references to having. Like, I feel like that stops at a point because I don't associate this with her character no. all the time like this. But she changes a lot anyway. So mm-hmm. Katie relinquishes a little and tells them that there's a spell Hedges use, but she doesn't recommend they use it. But the gang's like, oh, no, no, no. I want to know. Back at break bills, Penny's unable to control to drown out the beast sound at the girls in the dungeon. And he just starts snorting coke. Good choices. You know what? People self-medicate for a reason. Uh, Although there's a whole hospital wing. Yeah. And there's a whole, like you keep saying, faculty and staff that (laughs) could probably help in some way. Anyway, so back at Julia's, after Katie gives them whatever they gave them, um, Team Break Bills starts to leave, but Katie calls Q back. And it's awkward to say the least, but Quentin asks how Julia is. And Katie asks, why does he care after what she did to him at the mental asylum spell thing? And he says, it's none of her business and almost leaves before saving. Giving a shit about someone that you gave a shit about doesn't just evaporate the second they fuck up. Yeah. And they have done shit to each other. Exactly. And it's a good point. 
she was his best friend growing up. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's been a long all time. understandable. You know, he really does still need to apologize for his part, but you know, right? They're not broken. No. He then acknowledges why she stopped him from leaving. She wants he she wants to know how Penny is doing, of course. So she tells him that Julia is doing great and they are working on something that could help a lot of people. Or so they think. Am I right? That's so sad. She asks if Penny's okay. And Quentin says he's extra broody, but he's Penny. He's fireproof. And he's like cockroaches. He'll survive the nuclear winter. I'm like, that's nice. None of that is true. You know nothing about Penny. And does he not know about the voices right now? What's going on with him? Penny doesn't. Uh, Quentin doesn't ask Penny a lot about his internal life. But I mean, Alice knows. Don't you think she might have said something? Oh, I'm sure she did. I don't think Quentin cares that much right now. Yeah. So back to Penny, by the way, Um, he's finishing off all the coke and then it, and it seems the voices and ear ringing sounds are finally quiet and he relaxes for a second before the beast starts talking again, saying, just end it. Jesus. I'm like, I, I don't understand why he wants the traveler to end it. Like, doesn't he want the traveler so he can travel? Yeah, but I feel like it's one of these like, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to get rid of you. I guess. And but yeah, like, it's he, not a good. Villains don't make good decisions, guys. They really don't. They're very <laughs> one track mind. Penny tells him to shut the fuck up or shut the hell up. I added the fuck. As the girl's voice comes back screaming for help and he stands up to leave but falls over and passes out. And he wakes up in the infirmary in bed, kind of curled up in the fetal position almost. And he starts for, you know, he's staring forward and Professor Sunderland comes in and says that he should, you know, thank Alice Quinn for finding him. And he tells her to get on with the lecture, but she's like, I'm not judgy. No, you know, she's like, I overdosed twice. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) This is why you talk to the people older than you who know some of what's going on. I love this storyline for her, though. So she's mm-hmm. like, she she overdosed on Prozac, which de- helped her d- develop tardive dyskinesia, because but that was an accident. However, she did overdose on crack too, and I'm like, damn crack. <laughs> I mean, it sounds extreme, but I don't think hmm, I think a lot of people are doing that stuff. I know it's just, I mean, wow. She tells Penny that she's done things that would make him hide under a blankie. I'm like, you got to respect the people who. I have been through some shit and have really pulled themselves together and really, you know, yeah, become respectable, I, you know, people. Well, we don't know if she's respectable or not, but yeah, well, I. <laughs> she appears I, that way. She's a teacher. She's, you know, she's, you know, a person of. That's all we know, right? She's a teacher, but you're like, she's respectable. <laughs> she's, she's clean. She, well, she is respectable because she acts respectable. That's how I view it until I know more about you. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate this. And it's why I wish like Alice should go to a teacher. Quentin should go to a teacher. Like talk to people. Teachers are people too, guys. See if they know stuff. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. So she asks what's going on. Penny says the voice from another world has a thing for travelers. And she's like, well, oh, so it's this assault. Okay. And she produces a box with this weird thing inside. It's like this white flat object with these tiny spikes on one side. That she says goes to the base of his neck to stop the flow to his head like a dam. The the flow of blood? I, I'm like, what? I'm like, blood? Why are you stopping the flow of blood to your head? I mean, that doesn't seem like to be a good thing. Wouldn't that make you not be awake? 
or something. I don't. Maybe that's how the voices stop. I don't understand. But yeah, she says it wears down the mind's ability to defend itself temporarily until they can find something else to help him. Okay. And he says he doesn't have time for this. She gives it to him straight. He will never have a home or a family because of his gifts and it will always be taken away from him. So when someone offers him help, he should drop the bullshit attitude and accept it. I'm like, thank you. Yes. He needed to get his head out of his ass for this wake up call. Yes. You know? Anyway. Physical Cottage. Elliot is holding up a tiny little bottle attached to a string. It says that they are literally bottling their emotions. I'm like, oh, okay. This is such a bad idea, you guys. Yeah. I mean, they're going to get their heads clear, I guess, but. Meanwhile, Alice is pacing the floor worrying. She she remembers that Katie said that they shouldn't wear their emotional bottle thingies for more than three hours at a time and to be prepared for their emotions to be extremely intense when they come back. And she definitely says she doesn't like it. Margo says she doesn't like it. Oh, my God. This is just like the Vampire Diaries. I know. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Very much like, yeah. Margo's like, this is the perfect cheat. And Alice is like, I didn't say I was going, wasn't was going to do it. I just said I didn't like it. I'm like, because it's not foolproof. That's why. <laughs> That's I why mean, this like is so not foolproof. This is a dumb plan. It's not the smartest, but I mean. Your emotions are obviously going to get in the way at the worst moment. So Penny comes walking in looking rough. He says he looks, he looks damn handsome for someone who had a heart attack. And adds that he's genetically blessed. And I'm like, I cannot he argue is. with that. He is. Grr. He says that he changed his mind about joining their quest to Fillory as long as they save the girl in the dungeon. And now we pop somewhere in the city. And Katie and Julia are in some sketchy building, like dark hallways. And they're looking for someone. And Julia says it's that is completely old as dirt. And they approach a door at the end of the hallway with all this music blasting inside. They go in. There's a party happening. And the first thing I notice is this like mini effigy of some sort. I guess it looks it kind of looks messed up. But um, some guy approaches them and asks them that the, if the agency sent them. And mm. Katie's like, are you Bjorn? And he says, I asked for blondes. I'm like, dude, answer the question. I know they aren't ex- <laughs> like I know they're not escorts, but he thinks that they are. And sex workers deserve respect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Julia says she got his name from some girl that was caught stealing blood from a blood bank that she worked at a year ago. Vampires! I know. And he says, oh, Tracy sold me out. What did you give her? And Julia's like, 20 bucks, honestly. I'm like, oh, poor Tracy sounds like a little junkie. I think Tracy's having a hard time. Yeah, poor Tracy. (laughs) Anyway, so they tell him they have questions and he sort of scoffs at them, but Julia's like, they will pay him for answers. And he's like, 20 whole dollars? Look at you, Mitch Rich bitch. And, I mean. Yeah. She is technically rich, so, I mean, come on. So, instead, she holds up a baggie with a bottle of her blood in it, claiming it's the cleanest thing in this room. And he looks like he really wants it now. Is this a, is this a vampire party? That's what it sounds like. What? They, they never say vampire, but she mentioned I vampire like, earlier. Yes, I feel like they're doing this on purpose. Yeah. So it feels like that. So Julia says they just want to summon a god, and he's in disbelief. He says, no one does that anymore, and god is inside of you. She's like, shut up. 
He thinks he's helped enough and reaches for the baggie, but she pulls back and says, give me the name of someone like you. And he gets really offended. Of No, something like you. Mm. That's what she says. Give me a name of something like you. And he was like, thing? I'm a person. I'm a person. <laughs> I'm like, oh, But it was kind of rude. Let's call him a thing. I think he's know. a vampire. You can lure more flies with honey than vinegar, Julia. Just keep I don't that in mind. That's true. <laughs> he says they aren't a club and you know because they're everybody's horrible and he says because pixies are dicks lichens are rapists and shapeshifters all went west in the 50s i'm like these sound like personal prejudice prejudices yeah <laughs> thanks boomer i'm like damn and julia doesn't give a shit she wants a name he says i know one name and then he just kind of looks at them and they look back at him and i'm like and <laughs> it's like this like cliffhanger like the smell the fart acting cliffhanger type thing yeah it's just it was really weird we're back at the phys- phys- physical 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 kids cottage according to closed captioning the gang is sitting around chanting in japanese i wouldn't have known that otherwise i mean being a magician sounds like you have to know a lot of languages <laughs> Just I know, so and learn. this group, this group doesn't study enough. And I can barely speak Spanish. I mean, I don't speak any Spanish really; just like a few phrases. That's it. I can order a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like they're prepping their emotion bottles, and they all gasp at once, and their bottles start to glow red. And Margot notes that they, they sort of look pretty, but she's very flat when she says it. Like they look sort of pretty. And Quentin matter-of-factly states, this must be what undergoing undergoing the Vulcan ritual of Kulinar. Shut up. And Penny, Penny's like, I like your sweater, Quentin. And Quentin's like, there's no need to be cool, cruel. And Penny's, Penny's like, no, really, I really like your sweater. I'm like, this is really kind of neat. <laughs> it would so be cool weird. to use in like certain situations. Like it just, you know, like. Yeah, like short term situations I could yeah. see, but th- I feel like the hangover would be terrible. Oh, I know. Oh, that. Yeah. Quentin's like, well, we might as well go fix, fuck some shit up. I'm like, wait, that sounds like an emotional. That method. sounds like an emotional sentence. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so they all like, yeah, let's go. And they depart and they're acting very robotic. Back in the city, Katie and Jules are walking in a dark, another dark place using their phone lights to see. It's like extremely dark. And Julia reminds Katie that they're going after a, a Lamia or a Lamia, mm-hmm. a, a high level psychic creature. And Julia turns and we see that there's a bunch of junk everywhere next to them. She stops and picks up an old prayer candle, which is funny because the last time she saw that effigy and she sees this prayer candle this time. It's kind of got the, you know, the prayer candle with the saints on them, you know, mm-hmm. and she kind of looks worried all of a sudden and up ahead of her, Katie turns a corner to find a woman with her back to her mumbling to herself. The woman turns and sees her and it's Hannah, Katie's mom. What? what the fuck? She's like, oh my God. Katie's like astonished. And Hannah's quote, Hannah says that she's so sorry and that she missed her baby so much. And Julia walks up. And from her perspective, we see the mirror behind Hannah. It's actually a red person with a tail that's kind of like a devil's tail with mm-hmm. the arrow on it. And I'm like, ooh. She tells Katie to step back because that's not her mom. And Katie's like, I'm not an idiot. 
So Hannah says, Julia, I forgive you. But Julia's like, I know what you are. To which Hannah says, I'm trying to give you a gift. <laughs> and Katie's pissed and tells her to drop the act because her mom is dead. And Julia tells her to read her. Like read my mind to confirm that the, I have knives coated in gold and silver and dipped in shark's blood. And so the, you know. How do you do that says, shit? I know. I'm like, damn. Where do you get shark's blood? <laughs> Where do you, I mean, I, I guess the farmer's market. Stop. <laughs> Fish market, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It might be a thing. Oh, I, I really thought you meant farmer's market. Like artisanal shark blood. <laughs> With I your meant carrots. like the fisherman's market. Excuse me. I said farmer. <laughs> <laughs> farmer's market. Oh, I've got this. You just put it onto the bath. Rub yourself in it. Shark's blood. My God, wouldn't that be weird? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the Hannah, Hannah psychic person is like, Jesus, that's overkill. So they, you know, they tell her they weren't sure which legend was true. And she's like, I hate Ivy League girls. She says she doesn't have anything. Just look at this junky place she's in. <laughs> Fair. Julie's, Julia's like, you know, your kind were servants of a goddess. And Lamia says that was a long time ago and laughs at them wanting to petition a god. She thinks it's cute in a condescending way. She says she knows what, you know, what they really want and turns to Julia saying she wants to be whole like when she first found out about break bills. Mm. And Julia tells her to get out of my head. And help them. But, Lam- but the Lamia says it's no use. They can petition the gods all they want, but no one will answer because all the gods are dead. I'm like, that doesn't sit right with me. You're yeah. evading their, like, they're, you're, you're really, she's kind of evasive, like, not really talking about it. Like, something's not right and you're not saying something. But also, again, these are two, like, 24-year-old girls coming around asking about this shit. You're how old? Like, get the fuck out of here. Get in my face. I ain't got time for this. You see this mess I got to clean up? <laughs> Get out of here. So, shaken, Julia takes Katie's hand. They rush out. And they go back to the apartment. And the others are all sitting around lamenting how every creature they found also said that the gods are dead. And one guy, um, one some guy and, and Richard, they're not really convinced. They're like, no, no. When Katie says the Lamia seemed adamant, Richard says the Lamia was half starved and living in filth, and it's obvious the gods abandoned her. Whew. But it doesn't mean it's they're gone. Like he keeps snapping, like when they kind of show any kind of doubt. Dude, yeah, he's a just... he's a true believer, and that's scary. And he's crazy. <laughs> he seems like annoyed with her, and he insists they, you know, they just, we got to keep trying. We got to keep trying. But you can do whatever you want. He gets all kind of huffy, kind of like a child, like in his way. And uh, Julia says, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, this is my house. And then everybody just starts laughing at that. I'm like, well, yeah, get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. You're going somewhere. Get the hell out of my house. That's what I would have said. But I mean, whatever. I broke the tension. She's friends with them ish. Yeah, they're not. Those people aren't bad people. Richard, on the other hand. Something's wrong. So back at break, break bills, the group is walking around through the woods on campus and Alice notices the white thing on Sunderland that Sunderland gave Penny to put on his neck. And he explains that it's, you know, it has like a, like a burning pain to it. Um, but it is helping keep the voices at bay. And they get a little, to a little clearing. They set up wine bottles as targets and they, they start doing some battle spells and like successfully destroying stuff, like blowing it up, slicing it, setting a tree stump on fire. 
it looks like the emotional bottles are working, basically. Okay, and- I got to interrupt you for a question. Break Bills wouldn't have a gym? To do magic stuff. Right. They don't teach battle magic, I guess. So they would have spaces still for you to do stuff. It's so weird. Okay. Or labs or some kind right. of like. Yeah. Well, I guess they just do it out in the woods. That's what they had to do. So, you know, I also noticed that Penny is rocking the tunic. Which, you know, he's really like one of the only guys I can see who can wear a tunic that long and like, yeah, you're still pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. I like a tunic. Ayoo. Back at the cottage. Margot notes that it was a success. And Elliot says that it's a pity they had to put their feelings back. Penny agrees because feelings are bullshit. Here, here. I mean, I wouldn't want to be void of humanity like a vampire diaries vampire. Right. But I would like to just put my feelings aside for a moment, not have to worry or, you know, that kind of stuff. Just like, uh, but then it would just come flooding back, right? Because they all uncork their bottles and they drink their emotions and and Alice like immediately starts sobbing. And Penny just starts laughing hysterically. Quentin's looking around like confused and worried. And Margot and Elliot look like they are physically ill. Yeah, this is the part I would not want to do. I know. It's kind of like... But I mean, at at least now they know how it feels. And then if they do it again, it's kind of like... You, yeah. you're signing up for you. You already know mm-hmm. what's going to happen, so you maybe it helps to already know and to be prepared. You know, the next time, so it won't be as bad, or you you can kind of control the flood, or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Quentin starts to cry, saying she, you know, and uh, Alice. Well, actually, Alice is like confessing that she loves Quentin so much, and she just wants him to know that. And he's like, "I know you love me, but I feel so alone." And like, damn, I would, God, ooh. Yeah. But to do it with a group of people is probably best because you're not alone. You know? Maybe it's better that way. You're kind of, you have a support system there, even though you're all kind of going with it together. Yeah, I don't know if they're a support system because they're all in that state. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you're not doing it alone. That's the whole point. And Margo's like crying now and asking why she and Elliot aren't friends anymore. And he says they are best friends. He's like really dry we're best friends and she pleads for him to be honest with her but he says he'd rather not as he smokes and makes himself a drink he is the master of repressing feelings and living in denial yeah it's not good you know what's funny because i keep talking about vampire diaries he kind of reminds me of like a more queer damon salvador at this point Mm, yeah a bit more flamboyant self-destructive yeah cocky Mm -hmm. you know she says he doesn't care about her but he says they are all going to Fillory to save everyone and it will be back to normal soon. You know, better than before. But she doesn't look like she's buying it at all. And I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. He hands her a drink to, quote, catch up with him since he's on his third. And he walks off, leaving her alone. And we go to a commercial break. And in the morning, Quentin is pacing Alice's room as she wakes up with a, a sort of a hangover. She, her head hurts. And he says he couldn't sleep because he hates everything right now. She says he has diagnosed depression and shouldn't be bottling his emotions up. And then she alludes that it could lead to him unaliving himself. I agree. This is a dangerous exercise. Yeah. She says that they should try to master the same battle spells without the magic emotion bottles. And Quentin Bitter, like, he's like, 
I mean, you probably could. And he's being very condescending. He's gone back to that again. And she's like, she says she hopes it it just came out wrong. And he apologizes and says that she doesn't know what she sounds like sometimes. And she says that they should just try to do it without the emotional bottles. And he says, this is what trying looks like for me right now. I'm like, uber depression. Like, you really, you really messed with it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I've so I've never done mushrooms or anything, but I hear that like the high is so high that the next day, like the low is so low Mm -hmm. that it's like this. I heard that about ecstasy. Mm, I've never done that either. So I don't know. But yeah, I've heard anything that gets you up really high, like drops you the next day. Yeah, you're not going to be, you know, that's why you like smoke pot or get stoned. You don't really get like. It makes you really tired. <laughs> but it's not the same like. Yeah, yeah. it's not. The, it is still. A, that's kind of a low. You know what I mean? Like the, that's the low. It's like I'm tired. <laughs> I'm like Right. Sleepy. You never get to the high highs, but you never get to the low lows either. Never get to the high highs. Never get to the low, low lows. lows. <laughs> we, need to write, we need to write some country music. And <laughs> that's like, is that what we country? We can make it whatever we want. Hillbilly. Anyway, back to Julia's apartment. Um. Yeah, it looks like the group has been researching all night, and some, like Katie, are asleep while the others read on. But in the bathroom alone, Julia looks at a Virgin Mary effigy, I guess. It looks like a Virgin Mary. It's like the one that was in Bjorn's place, Mm -hmm. and decides to pray. She says, if you're not dead, I'm listening, and I want to do good, please. And I'm like, do you even know who you're praying to? I don't think it's Mary, but I don't think we've gotten a name or anything. It's just a goddess. That's all Mm -hmm. we keep hearing. I'm kind of concerned with that, but whatever. So back at the uh, the clearing in the forest, we see, you know, um, she wa- Alice walks up on Penny, who is also trying to, quote, get off the bottle. But he hasn't had any luck with his battle practice yet. She has to go, but her tut produces, she, like, excuse me, I didn't say has to go. She has a go. And her tut with her hand doesn't produce anything either. So he tells her to just, you know, sit down, get Zen. And he says, every warrior in history learned how to do it. I bet plenty of them were hot messes before telling Alice that they can do this. I'm like, well, good on him for like seeing the bright side right now. But wait, have there been magical warriors? Have there been magical wars? What's the history here? Where does battle magic come from? Why do you give know us, that, Penny? Give us more class. We just need give some me a like little history. more context about the world. Just a little bit. Just just a little, like a, a couple minute scene every episode. Give us a little backstory. Yeah. You know? That wouldn't be hard. Like, so has in- he been reading Break Bill's A History? Does that book exist? Break like Bill's A History. <laughs> right? Like, let's give us a little factoid every time. Magician's Guide to Magic. Yes. So back at Julia's, everyone is asleep now, and Julia seems to have fallen asleep at a table reading when she hears someone whisper, Julia, nope. Uh-uh. No, thank you. I'm out. I'm not, I'm like, no, no creepy ass name. I mean, she no. opened a door. No. Yeah, that's. Mm. She gets up and she like looks around. And she walks to the window and instinctively puts her hands into the stream of light. It's the sunlight that's coming in. And when she does this, it appears like the water is pouring into them or out of them. Like she has a little puddle of water in her hands. She like yanks them out and her hands are like completely dry. So then she puts her hands back in and a ton of coins fall into them. And then she moves her, you know, suddenly she pulls her hands back. And then she's startled because she sees someone standing in front of her. 
and it's uh, an actress named um, Garcelle Beauvais or Beauvais. I don't know how you say her name. Um, she's done a ton of stuff, but like the first thing I when I saw this the, originally, I was like, "Hey, she was on Model Zinc," which was a spinoff of Melrose Place. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like Melrose Place is a spinoff of 90210. Models Inc. was a spinoff of Melrose Place. Oh, uh, okay. It was only on for like one season, and it was just, um, it was Heather Locklear's mother's modeling agency. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, she was one of the models on that show. Uh, it was kind of fun. Anyway, she looks at Julia and says, Not so dead, am I? Oh, I'm listening. Accessing my microphone like the government. She says that nothing was wasted and everyone served to pull everyone has served to pull Julia closer to her. A map appears in Julia's hands with a glowing dot marking a spot. The goddess says for Julia to go to that location, there's a bridge and find the man that has served her for a thousand years. She has to bring him three gifts and he will show her the way to call the goddess. And then Julia wakes up suddenly. It was all a dream. Commercial break. Mm, magic. Break bills. Break bills. Break bills. Alice thinks she made the bottle wobble, right? She goes, oh, I think I made it wobble that time. Just as Q and, and Margo and Elliot show up with their emotion bottles on. He brought Alice's hers just in case, but she doesn't want it. They get to work. Of course, the ones wearing the bottles are doing great. And Margo makes a cool shield spell that spiderwebs out of her. Like, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. neat. Like in front of, a sh- you know. Meanwhile, Alice and Penny are still trying to do it with their without their emotion bottles. And it looks like like Alice is getting somewhere. We kind of see a gush of air come from her hands, you know, as if like, I'm like, good. She's kind of doing it, quote, sober in a way. So even Penny improves that he ends up knocking over a bottle. And then they're like congratulating each other and like jumping for joy. And. I think it's funny that emotionless Quentin still kind of notices. You know? I mean, it makes sense that he would notice. Um, I think I think we all know by now, like, Alice has the discipline to learn things. Yeah. And not necessarily the rest of them have it. So, like, that's when Elliot checks his watch. He's like, oh, my God. Well, not, oh, my God. He's like, we went over time. We went three and a half hours. Like, oh, that can't be good. So they take their bottles off and they drink their emotions and instantly fall out. Oh, no, I remember what happens. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> so at the, at the cottage, Elliot and Quentin stoically sit in front of the fire as Elliot asks him if he remembers that spring at the foothills of the mountain in Fillory. And Quentin says, Chatwin's torrent. And then he says he thought Elliot said he didn't remember the Fillory books. I'm like, and you know, he was probably just, oh, I'm just trying to be cool. I don't they've all read I, them. I, they've all read them. Come on. Yeah, they have. I don't remember them. Yes, you do. <laughs> Elliot ignores him and says he remembers Rupert being wounded but healed by the spring water. And he asks if it was real. And Quentin's like, I hope some of the good parts in the books were real. <laughs> I, I really yeah. do. I don't know, but I hope they are. He asks why Elle wants to know. And Elliot says because he has, probably has liver damage. True story. <laughs> I can see yeah, it. but also you are young. Yeah. But I mean, that must mean he's done a lot of drinking. Yeah, that's true. 
Elliot says, on that note, we're out of wine. And he just stares at Quentin, who's just not getting that Elliot wants him to get up and get more <laughs> wine. And so Elliot says, fine, I'll go. And instead of standing, he like slides out of the chair onto the floor. <laughs> and they both start laughing hysterically. I'm like, well, at least that's a good emotion. In the clearing, Alice seems to have mastered her spell and ends up flinging the bottle of off of the stump that it's on. She hugs Penny in celebration, but accidentally pushes the device more to his neck. He cringes, but he thanks her for reminding him that it was there. Which is kind of like, I guess, he thanks for the reality mm. check. I still have yeah. this thing going on. She says it's his turn, and he goes to set up the bottle with a smile. It's kind of nice. And at the cottage house, Quentin and Margot basically carry a drunken Elliot to his room as he laughs at how they were going to Fillory, and he calls... Quentin Toto and Margot is Dorothy. And then he says, "He, I'm the flying Muppets. No, meerkats. <laughs> Before they all fall on his bed and Elliot passes out instantly. Quentin tells Margot that Elle was talking about Chatwin's torrent. And Margot says, let's be honest. There's a lot more wrong with Elliot than a broken leg. Hmm. I feel like I do that impression pretty well. That was good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he needs some therapy, that's for sure. Yes. Quinta says that the spring didn't just fix Rupert's leg, it healed his whole self, apparently. And Margo says that's the thing about Quentin that is, you know, he actually believes in magic. And Quentin says, Well, so does everyone. And she's like, No, no, no. We all know it's real, but you believe in it. Yeah. Which I mean he has that belief and that hope of a, a magic for good in the world kind of thing. I, I think guess. his belief is magic for healing himself ultimately. Yeah. It's I think that's the overriding kind of belief is like, if magic is real, maybe I can be not like I've been. Yeah. I can be better. Yeah. So Margot continues that he just loves magic, pure and simple. And then she says that she's never loved something like that before. And he tells her that's not true. Which leads them back to Elliot, who she does love. She hopes that Fillory might be able to fix him because he's not okay and he doesn't seem to care. And I'm like, no, he cares. He's just lost the hope. Yeah, he's numbing. And then she kind of moves into Quentin and starts kind of crying a little bit. And he promises her that they'll do whatever they can. Then we cut to the next morning. <laughs> Quentin wakes up. And slowly realizes he's naked in bed with both Margo and Elliot, who are also naked. And that's where he starts to remember the night before where they all hooked up. And it's in like flashes. And I guess Elliot woke up for that. That's for sure. And it's like, oh, man. Mm -mm. Oh, when you fucked up so bad. And he looks down at the foot of the bed and sees an angry and hurt Alice staring back at him. No glasses. That's even worse. You can like see her eyes burrowing into his yeah. like being, you know? And then she slowly turns away, still sitting there. She just kind of turns her head and turns away from him, her back to him. And she's like a huge mess of emotions. We fade to black. And at the end of the episode, there's a banner for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 or go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. End of episode. 
Also, you can text 988 now from anywhere in the U.S., but if you are in a severe crisis, know that they might call the police to your home. And so, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to discourage anyone, but also just, like, go into it knowing, like, that could happen. Be as calm as possible. (laughs) If you can, when somebody shows up. When you're severely emotionally disturbed, be as calm as possible. (laughs) Exactly. Try as much as you can. If you're calling for help, you've gotten a moment of clarity of some kind. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, be careful out there. Yeah. Um, This episode hits so hard. I forgot about this. He really screwed the pooch. Like, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, this one's so like heartbreaking. Because I mean, just the episode before, it's like, oh, we're being boyfriend girlfriend. You know, I met your parents. I know, know. and he's like, I'm so happy, and they are being cute, and then he fucks it all up because he can't manage his emotions. That's why she was like, you stay away from that. But I mean, that's literally. I so I guess when I first watched these I never thought as much about the metaphors as I do when I'm like watching Buffy but it's mm-hmm. so clear now as we talk about it <laughs> yeah totally like really well done it's just obviously so clear for like learn to communicate learn to manage your emotions learn to be around other people <laughs> exactly learn schoolwork too by the yeah, way like, learn how to learn that. learn discipline learn <laughs> I mean, I knew that those three hooked up at some point, but I didn't realize, I, I, didn't, I don't know why I didn't remember it being this early on. I didn't you know? either. So much happens earlier than I thought. And poor Alice. Like. The hits just keep coming. Like, she's she's annoying and a bit of a problem at times, but I mean, finally being able to let somebody in and then that's where that someone turns around and just goes and fucks two people in a one night drunken stupor. Oh. And not just two people, like two people that you are living with and learning with and becoming friends with like Ugh. that's a line where it's like quentin it would have been better to find two strangers i know but still even even still she still got betrayed and do you think the spring would actually heal everything about you like even mental health stuff uh i don't know because i don't think that stuff is broken okay. i think like it's just different you know what just, I mean? It's a different chemistry setup. Yeah, just we just haven't figured out how chemistry. to work with it. Yeah. That's yes, that's that's what I maintain. But um I would love it for any physical affliction or pain or ache or everything. I mean, if it did if it did heal that kind of stuff, I would find the first button of fillery. Yeah. You know? But I don't know that I would want some just like neurotypical brain like come on it's more fun in here (laughs) i just want to be able to express it a little easier maybe something like that you know um so also the goddess that came to juliet like why appear in a dream and then ask to like seek her out some rando to help see her again very weird i don't like it i and also like I don't know how you feel, but I'm just growing closer and closer to Julia. I want to take care of her. I want her to be okay. I want her to find a safe place. <laughs> and I'm so scared for her. <laughs> and Katie. And Katie. We and Katie. Sure yes, absolutely. Like, I want them both to find, like, a safe place to be. <laughs> and I mean, I can't argue with that. But I also want to know, where the hell is Dean Fogg? Where was he? For we saw him, like, once real, a couple episodes ago. Pivotal moments from the first episode. He's been like, we have to prepare them. We don't have time. Where are you? Where Where's the preparation? Come on. They're Come teaching on. themselves battle magic. Ugh. Oh, man. What do you think, rewatchers? Come on. Let us know. Reach out to us on social media. Orlean, 
is at Spooky Orlean on Instagram and Twitter. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap, or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. So don't forget to call the hotline like I told you before and see you all next week for the next to last episode of the season oh titled Nine Thirty Nine Graves. Oh. Doesn't sound foreboding at all. Like, it doesn't sound good, but they're also going to trick us with it. Yeah. Yeah, they are. You know they are. I'm getting excited. Only two episodes left, everybody. Oh, my God. I... I'm excited and I'm scared because we all know these fuck ups are gonna fuck it up. So like, <laughs> I love them, fuck ups are but like, fuck it all. Fuck they it don't up. know shit yet. Fuck them. <laughs> I didn't say that. I love them. I but said like, it. They're I gonna said fuck it. it all up. <laughs> oh god. Okay, rewatchers. Until next week. Keep your head clear and don't keep your emotions bottled. Goodbye.